the wilderness. We see Jesus again, Jason. Let's see him there. Oh, yeah. The wilderness. The wilderness uh, in this story, as is true of the wilderness in our lives, is a metaphor. The wilderness is what we call a liminal space. It is a place between, a place of transition. The wilderness is also a place where you feel alone. There is danger. The wilderness is a place where you hear voices, some loud, some soft, some too few, some too many. And how do you know whether the voices are helpful or even true? In the wilderness, it's never clear what to do or where to go next. Here's something else that's important to know about the wilderness. The wilderness is not some place you end up by making bad choices. There is a place that bad choices sometimes lead us. That place has a different name, and that's a different sermon than this one, if you know what I mean. It's much more likely that you end up in the wilderness as an adult because you've actually made many good choices in your life. You've figured out how to make it to adulthood. You've passed through the trials and tribulations of growing up. You did your schoolwork, most of it. You graduated. You learned how to say no to selfish desires, most of them. You've learned moderation and some degree of self-control. You've learned what your nation expects of you, what your culture wants from you. Some of you learned the dance of trust well enough to, to get partnered up, and some of you became mothers and fathers. You learned how to work. You learned how to make money and climb the ladder of professional success. You've built a sturdy container for your life, a good, sturdy container. And none of it was ever guaranteed, right? So you have a right to feel pretty good about yourself. Like maybe this container is it. I mean, I've got a job and I've got a mortgage and a partner and a kid. I'm an adult. All you got to do is hold this thing together for 35 more years until you can retire and play bridge and golf. And then, and then your body will fall apart and you'll die, but you'll die a successful adult. Isn't that adulthood, right? Right there. No, it's not. That's not at all how it works. In adulthood, we wake up, some of us. We wake up to a new reality. Sometimes we wake up in the middle of the night and we don't know why. But we feel restless, something's wrong. The container that we built for ourselves doesn't seem to be holding our life anymore. We think maybe if I were just a bit more accomplished, maybe we just need to work a little harder, make it to the top of our field, and then we'll get the recognition that we so deserve. 
Or maybe this is just a battle with our own insecurity. Uh, maybe if we were wealthier, right, uh, if we had a bit more, this fear would just go away. Maybe if I found someone who would make me feel younger. Maybe I should just channel all of my energy into my children's successes because if they're good, surely I will feel good. We wake up in the wilderness of adulthood and we don't know how we got here. This place is unsettling. And so we try to use all of our old tools, the ones that got us to adulthood in the first place, duty and rule following and ambition and playing a role and trying to be the best at that role, and none of it works. The container of your life feels inadequate for life itself. This is the great awakening of adult spirituality. That many, if not most, of the things that you had to learn in order to become an adult aren't helpful in dealing with the realities of actual adulthood. Remember this, though. When Jesus goes into the wilderness, he's already a grown-up. Right? I mean, for the first 30 years or so of Jesus' life, he, he lived like every other young Galilean. He went to the synagogue. He learned all about religion and the rules that it had to offer, the rules of life and faith. He, he probably took up his family trade. He learned how to work with wood. He, he was raised to fit the pattern that his culture had prescribed for him. And then... For some reason, he wanders down to the Jordan River to listen to John the Baptizer ranting about corrupt Roman politicians and, and berating people to stop exploiting each other and be generous for God's sake. We don't know why Jesus left his old life for a new one, but we know that Jesus went into the water and he came out of the water and he found himself in the wilderness alone. No one there but him. And there, and there were voices telling him what to do and where to go. Three times. Three times the tempter speaks straight into the deep uncertainty of Jesus' life. And each time the tempter makes him an offer to resolve the uncertainty. Offer one, you are hungry. Turn the stone into bread. Make, make the satisfaction of your own appetite your first priority. Offer two, let others worship you. You deserve it. Take your power and use it how you wish. Offer three, be the master of your own life. 
jump. You hear that with every temptation, Jesus is invited to resolve his own personal uncertainty by making the world yield to his needs. Each temptation places his own ego at the center of existence. To this centering of the self in the universe, Jesus says no. No, one does not live on bread alone, but God first, then bread. No, I will not seek worldly power, only God's power matters. No, I am not my own, whether I live or die. I am God's. This is what our tradition has come to call a faithful no. Often in our move to an adult spirituality, to a mature spirituality, this can be the best way for us to come to understand God. We were taught all of those things about God, omnipotent and omniscient, all those things filled us up as young people. But when we become adults, it is often by rejecting what we know God is not that we come to know God anew. A God who is about me getting what I want cannot be God. The mystic Meister Eckhart said, God is not found in your soul by adding anything, but by a process of subtraction. What I think is so curious about Jesus' no to the tempter And also to the no that you must say as you reject the ego-centered life is that the things to which you say no are often good things. Bread is not bad. Power is not all bad. Self-confidence is not all bad. Ambition, not all bad. Rule following, not bad. Seeking the approval of others is not all bad. But we must not mistake proximate goods for ultimate goods. Richard Rohr has written a wonderful book that some of you have read called Falling Upward, a spirituality for the two halves of life. He says that the first half of life is about building our container. It's about building a useful self. We have to build up ourselves by creating a strong identity, by by gaining some degree of security for ourselves, by feeding our own ego. It's an essential part of growing up and becoming an adult. But then, Rohr says, in the second half of life, which we might hit anywhere from 25 to 50, the ego-driven life stops 
working. The container doesn't hold life anymore. It has to give way, Roar says. There, there, there is a deeper voice, the voice of God from, from which you must learn to hear and obey. He says it will sound an awful lot like the voices of risk, of trust, of surrender, of soul, of destiny, of love, of your deepest self. The truth is you made it to adulthood by creating this beautiful structure for yourself and you are to be commended. But to grow in God, to be present to God's own presence, your priorities and ways of thinking have to change, to face the real issues of life, of adulthood, love and death and suffering and subtlety and sin and mystery. None of those things will yield their secrets if your soul only seeks its own consolation. The first, the first stage in adult spirituality is waking up. You are in the wilderness. And you didn't do anything wrong to get here. It's not punishment. Life must bring you here. Life must bring you to your knees. Sometimes we are brought low by the persistent, nagging questions. You know, the deep ones, the who am I really, the what am I here for truly, the ones that you never quite seem to have a satisfactory answer for. That can bring you low. And sometimes we are brought low by something harder and more forceful, something more blunt, unmerited suffering, sudden loss. Seemingly irredeemable sin, either another's or our own. Life brings you to your knees, and you will be tempted. The temptation is just to stand up and say, I'm fine. Fine. Keep going. Don't do that. When life brings you low, stay down. Be still. Pay attention. Touch the ground with your hands, even with your lips. You are dust. You are dust and the breath of God. Say to God, you made me, God. I am yours. And you brought me here to this God-forsaken place. God, it is your love 
that caused me to stumble. Now that I have woken up, show me. Tell me. Guide me. Guide me, God.